I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to All Stats, aren't we? A podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye over goings-on at Ellen Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm Adam Elliott, the ball arriving at the feet of Dan James at the edge of the box of the podcast. I'm going to get yeeted here, aren't I? And I'm joined today by the ball arriving at the feet of Luke Hayling on the right side of the podcast, Martin Riley. I'm also going to be yeeted here, aren't I? And finally, I'm joined by the ball arriving at the feet of Ampadu on the edge of the box of the podcast. Be prepared for Rosette. I'm coming at you. It's Tom Hostikundal. How are you, Tom? Uh, yeah, not too bad. Um, just had a little incident with my dog just before we start recording, and he's currently joining us. Uh, yeah, he ate my uh, takeaway packaging while I was not in the room, and so I don't know if he swallowed it in tinfoil now or anything. So, yeah. I'm sure he'll just poo it out, just like his dad would. <laughs> yeah, probably. And what exactly did you have on your takeaway? Uh, I just had a like tandoori chicken pizza and cheesy chips. So it was a cheesy chip packaging that he uh, decided he was going to rip apart and get into. I don't blame him. You know, cheesy chips, when I, when I get the scent, you know, I just want to go for it as well. <laughs> um, Martin, how about, how about yourself? How are you doing, mate? I am doing good, thank you. Um, yeah, I've had a decent week. I've been very busy at work and I'm looking forward to talking about Leeds. And on the food front, I made homemade enchiladas um, with chicken inside tonight. It was very, very good. Sounds a lot better than what I had. I had soup. <laughs> good soup. <laughs> and it was it was alright. It wasn't good. It was it was mediocre soup. But the, I made a cheese, like a grilled cheese with it and that ah, was so pretty good. soup? Yes, yeah. I did. A classic, yeah. if, I'm, if I'm feeling lazy. Um, anyway, uh, we are actually here to, to review uh, Wednesday's game between Leeds and Ull, Ull City. Um, we'll start first by just quickly going over some of the news before turning our attention to the game. So not much news to talk about now. The transfer window is over, which is which is good. Um, but one of the things that's come out after the game, uh, well, we don't actually know the extent of it yet, but Nanto is injured. Um, and who do we think is going to get the game time in his place at the moment? Um, I think more, most likely to be Dan James, to be honest. I think uh, he already started, he started in this game as it was, so I think it'll probably be James and Somerville who will start on the wings next time, most likely, in my opinion. I think that just seems to be what Fife will want, especially in, in this next game, I think. 
I think it will, will be what they'll want someone who's good out of possession and to give additional support. So I think he'll probably go with Dan James. Do you agree with that, Hosty, or, or do you think there's a, a chance that Anthony gets a start at some point soon? I think there's a chance that Anthony will because he actually has had a pre-season. And I know we're going to come on to uh, there's something in the run order about substitution, so we'll probably discuss the other signings and how they didn't come on. Um, but Anthony did, and he's had a pre-season as well, so he might be a bit more ready to start as well on Saturday if possible. And the other thing that's come out after the game, or kind of during the game, was that Roden is going to miss a game now with suspension because he got a red card for a second yellow. Let's be honest, we all know it probably wasn't a red card considering the first tackle or wasn't really a tackle. He just won the ball fairly, was given as a yellow. But he probably shouldn't have done the, the second challenge when knowing he was on a yellow. Um, but who do we think fills in for him, Martin? I would probably guess um, Cooper. Um, I think he was probably most likely to go with seniority. Um, but to be honest, I wouldn't mind Cresswell being being given a go um, just to see how he does do. Because I think he's probably quite similar in profile to what uh, Roden is, quite an aggressive centre-back, which is the same thing what Roden is. He maybe doesn't have quite as much on the ball as what Roden does. But I, don't, I wouldn't mind seeing Cresswell given a go, to be honest, see how he does. Personally, I completely agree with you, Martin. But I'm going to throw a curveball at Hosty and say, is there even a small chance that Luke Ayling could be used as a centre-back because it, it keeps the right and left footer? Or are we just going to see Cooper come back in like we did against Cardiff in the opening day? I imagine we will see Cooper there, like like we just said. But um, I wouldn't be against Shackleton on the right and Byram on the left because that means that we've been saying that maybe Ayling's been keeping his place for seniority. And if Cooper's coming back in, then maybe we can just take Ayling out of the limelight for a bit. That is very, very fair. Um, as I said, we're going to discuss the game against Hull now. Um, so we'll just dive in quickly to the game summary. Um, Leeds approached the game with their usual 4-2-3-1 shape. It's kind of 4-2-3-1, kind of 4-4-2 at the moment, isn't it? Uh, with Hull looking quite similar, though at times both teams did look a little 4-4-2, as I said. Both sides were looking to play out from the back and the possession share was quite even throughout, with Leeds maybe having the ball slightly more than Hull and maybe the slight better of the chances as well. Leeds were more eager to win the ball back, pressing Hull higher up the pitch, with Hull not being quite as keen to win the ball high and instead trying to win the ball in their half and attack quickly in those moments. Hull weren't able to create any good chances before the Roden sending off, with Leeds dominating both shots and expected goals share but unable to convert. The game then flipped with the sending off, with Hull now in the intercendency, creating a few good chances, including one very big chance which struck the upright at the end of the game, which was an absolutely huge miss, and the game then ended in a draw, nil-nil. Now we'll move on into the interrogation where I'll just ask the guys a set of questions about the game, um, and we'll get right into it. So this was another game where you'd say our best chances came in the quick counter-attacks and then transition. And while we did create some chances during consolidated possession, it would be fair to say we did struggle at times to consistently create. What do you put this down to, Martin? It's a, it's a tough one, is this? Um, I think it's maybe it's a combination of a couple of things. Um, firstly, the front line maybe not making the right runs at the right moment. Um, but I do think also Hull did defend their box quite well at times which um, made things tougher for us. And so we did generally create better when it was a bit more open when the hull were forward. And especially the Routier chance was the biggest one that we had. And I think we don't think we got one close to the XG on that one. I think that was about our largest XG sh- shot. And yeah, we just did struggle to break, break them down, I think. And I'd hope that improves. It is starting to become a worry that when we do 
have to try to break down a team that we do struggle, and that is becoming quite a consistent theme at the moment. And I was hoping, I'm hoping this will get better with the more that the front line play together and understand each other's movements. So I think we still have some time on this. So I wouldn't say I'm worried overly just yet, but it is still there in the background, which does need to improve. I think. I'd have to say I agree, and I'm not too worried yet. But Hosty, do you think we're lacking some of those sort of repeatable patterns in attack? Some of the the sort of sequences that you'd like to see a team when they're a bit more coherent, a bit more together, start to play, or or are we still a bit too individualistic with a lot of our forwards at the moment? Yeah, I think we're a bit too individual. That word that you said, um, and um, I think a lot of the times we just have some players that make the wrong decision, and I think. They'll or they'll overhit a pass, which could so there could be a, sh- a pass that's played out wide, and we know that we've heard Fax say that he wants the ball drilled across, he wants the low hard crosses into the six yard box rather than cutbacks, and I think sometimes they we've been trying to get it into the box quickly from kind of like the half space when the option's been outside. I think that happened quite a bit yesterday, um, and then also. It's hard to have combination play when you've got Dan James in your attacking line, and a lot of a lot of moves broke down with him coming into that space as well from the right. I felt. I'll right, we'll move on to talk about Hull now a little bit, and they had a pretty clear plan of attack, which was to get the ball to Philogene, their their expensive new shiny winger from Aston Villa on the left hand side, and attack Luke Hailing. But largely before the red card, they didn't really create any good chances, despite getting into some good areas with the likes of him. Have we defended our box well, or was that more on the way Hull attacked Hosty, would you say? I think we defended quite well. I think basically Rodon did, Rodon and Strike really acted well with the balls over the top. So we saw quite early on, um, Rodon got in front of, I think, Twine or Connolly um, within our box and then won a foul. And he then did another one where Ailing kind of, the ball, so Coyle was kind of playing this weird angle pass where it looked like he was going inside and then he it come around on the outside for Philogene and there was one where Ailing kind of moves inside thinking that he's can he can get to the ball and he just doesn't he can't get to that ball anymore and it goes past him and then Rodon has to chase down Connolly and it's where he does a really good tackle tight to the tight to the sideline um and so we saw that that's what they were trying to do and we saw that that's what they were where they were exploiting and then you know Rodon swept up well and then when they got into the box they they didn't like you said, we defended well. We didn't. We weren't open to that cutback which we've been open to before. Um, so yeah, I'd say that we're defending the box well. And the system, despite it looking like it exposes Ailing due to having someone like Rodon next to him, I think works for us at the moment because we're not really giving up any big chances, and that's been the case over the past two or three games. Um, so despite worries with the system exposing Ailing, we're still not giving up big chances. What about you, Martin? Do you think it was more of a case of like you were less impressed with Hull and more impressed with our defending again? That's a third clean sheet in a row now for us. Yeah, I think we did defend our box very well. Um, both Rodon and Strauch were very good in all their individual battles, which they made up, especially Strauch, who had some real, real moments of dominance in this game, I felt. And I think also what helped was um, Ailing was getting a good level of support from either Archie Gray or Dan James, and both of them were getting back to help him, which was one thing which we know that Dan James is good at is giving support to his fullback. So he, he did get back well and made, made sure to cover the overlapping runs of the, of their fullback when he did 
go on the overlap. So that thing, I think that helped quite a lot because that was the side that they were targeting throughout. At least the first half, I think it changed a little bit in the second half and it was trying to vary things around a bit. But definitely in the first half, it was targeting our, our right side. And we did defend it well. Hold, maybe it sometimes didn't pick the right pass and uh, the, the the right cross type wasn't chosen. Like sometimes there's going for too many low crosses when maybe, I think maybe a floated one to the back post could, could have been a bit better answer. But I do think largely it was us more than them, to be honest. So what you're saying is Dan James did well with ball, but not without ball. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, well, he he did well without ball, not with ball. Yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> if I got if I got it the wrong way around, I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, um, anyway, yes. Yeah, so we were with the likes of Dan James trying to press a little higher than usual, but at times it wasn't very effective, and Hull were able to play through it. Why do you think our press wasn't very effective at times, Martin? I think this is on a couple of things, and it's mainly individuals who aren't quite pressing soon enough and effectively enough. I think that's largely on Joel Pro in the middle. He's just not as much of an intense presser as what Ruter is. And Ruter was doing some really good work. He was putting out a lot and in, in pressing sides and he was putting them under pressure. And then there's other moments where so there was one particular moment, I believe, where a ball was played over long and their goalkeeper came out. And if Pro had just been a little bit faster to, to get on him, because he was outside the box with the ball, and if he'd been a little bit faster, a little bit more intense in his movement to get there, then I think he could have won that ball off him and we could have had an open goal. It's just little things like that where he's just not quite eager enough to get on, onto the press when he should be. And if that was Ruter in that situation, he would have been all over the keeper. I realise that Ruter's got a little bit of an advantage in this, that he is naturally faster. He's, a, he's faster than what Perot is. But I also feel that Perot wasn't really trying at his full 100% really. Well, that could be because he's tired. He had, there's been a lot of football going recently, but Ruter's been playing a lot too. So I think that is largely where it was. And also, um, I think Nonto was also not quite as effective pressing as what Dan James was on the other side. So it's a little bit disjointed, which did make it easy for them to get around us. I'd agree with that. And Somerville, when he came on as well, he looked really intense when he came yeah. on. And and people like Perot just maybe need to be on their, their toes a little bit more as, as well. Uh, anything to add there, Hosty? Um more that if we had the open goal from Ruter, there's no guarantee it'd be a goal and Hull proved that, didn't they? Um, with that miss later on. Uh, just that I wondered if the press was intentionally kind of trying to let them play through to a certain point so that we won it back with Gray and Ampadu and then those players were in front of the ball when we won it back because they're our attacking players. Um, Gray was man-marking Jean-Michael Serry Um so that looked like that's where we were actually trying to win it for me because a lot of Hull's play went through Seri when he managed to shrug off Gray, um, which would be when Gray tried to move over and sit in between the two midfielders to stop either one of the passes. I can't remember who the midfielder alongside Seri was. So my, my thoughts were that the reason why was we were trying to more force to win the ball in our middle so that we could get that attack going forward and have those players in front of us. Um, we also had a question from one of our favourites of this podcast, uh, one of our editors, TJ Singh. Um, he was asking if subs are becoming a bit of a problem under Fark, or rather the lack thereof of substitutes. Um, what were your thoughts on that, Hosty? Um, yeah, it was it was a weird one. I definitely felt that Gray should have come off. He started to look tired, and I'm sure that he had a knock near the end of the game. He, he seemed to be trying to just drag his leg. Um, it's just it's just weird, right? We've signed Groven. Kamara and we've seen have we seen Kamara for like eight minutes I think out of the two Groove's not even made his debut 
Um, and it could be that he doesn't trust them. It could be that the red card made uh, made some sort of difference to his decision. Um, but yeah, I, I think attacking wise, he, he was out of he was out of options once he'd brought on Anthony and uh, Somerville with the red card as well. So yeah, I don't know if it's an issue yet. I, I want to see more rotation. We know that he said that he doesn't rotate. Um, and I know that we're coming on to that. And yeah, I just think that we could have, unless Gray's planning not on, unless we're planning on not playing Gray at all at the weekends, I don't quite understand. We had one more sub that we could have made, I think. And I, I would have thought down to 10, we might have just gone Groove and Ampadu and tried to stodge up and make sure. I mean, it obviously didn't matter. We drew 0 0, right? Um, but yeah, I would have thought we would have tried to protect Gray at that point. It's definitely something that's frustrating me personally. Um, I think that the handling of Gray, he's played and started in every single game now. Um, and I'm and I'm not too impressed with that. And I know that Kamara had a bit of a, a disrupted preseason and basically didn't have much of one, but you'd have thought he'd have got at least some more minutes. You've then got Groove, who's um who I think he did get his debut, he got he got about five minutes against Millwall, didn't he? But it wasn't very long at all. So he's not played a lot yet, but you know, that's another option and we, we just didn't use them and, and it for me it looked like Grey was flagging. I don't know about you, Martin, but should should Fark be rotating more in, in his press conference this week he, he talked about the fact that Ampadu had a knock and that he's probably going to carry on and he said he didn't want to make too many changes because in, in his words he said he didn't want to break the rhythm of the t- of a settled team that's that's kind of gelling together. Um I don't know what your thoughts are about the the subs or, or the grey situation. Yeah the, I do th- I do feel that there should be some more rotation. We've got depth for a reason and it isn't just to cover when someone gets injured. And especially with the case of Archie Gray, he's the best talent that we've had in a very long time. And we don't want to break him. And I think we should be trying to give him some rest in in games like these. Um, I think later on, when I won a red card, yeah, he'd had a reasonably good game out of possession. But I think he was clearly not at his 100% in this game, especially on the ball. I don't think he was doing that well because he's played so much, I think. And that's becoming a bit of an issue. If we want to, to keep him well for the rest of the season and keep his development up, he does need to have that rest time in there because he's so, so young. <laughs> and it's something which we should be looking at. I think Fark should be giving him a break here and there. And both Camera and Groove have, have played games during the international break. So it's not like they have no match fitness at all. They, sh- they should be perfectly fine to come on for half an hour towards the end of the game just to give Gray a break if that's what they want to do. Especially when we're on a red card, we've got Groove, who is more of a six than what Archie is, and I think he probably would have been a good good choice to bring on in that game, just to solidify th- things a bit more and give him a break. I think he would have been fine to come in that in that situation, in my opinion. I, I completely agree, and I, I do think that Gray was a little bit more sloppy in possession and not quite as sharp, and I don't know if you can just definitely put it down to fatigue, but it, the amount of games he's played, you can definitely hazard a guess that that might be it. Um, and and I really, yeah, I don't really get why Kamara has played so much, um, you know, for Finland in the international break, he played enough that I think another sort of 45, 60 minutes in his legs would have would have helped Gray out a lot. Um, but speaking of of some more positive things now, if, if I who could actually also kind of oh, like yeah, if I, it's really interesting that he rested Byron right because he's not played football and much football for two years. But Arch Gray was injured for the majority of last year. If believe what we've been said, so it's exactly the same, right? You'd think it should be the same. And um, apologies for early. I didn't get to watch Millwall game. I was working over the weekend, so I didn't know that Groove may have come on for five minutes. Um, and then. 
but he did. But Groove did play two nineties. He played two nineties over the international break. So it's not like he's not fit. It's, it just makes no sense to me. How? No, I agree. Uh, yeah, Farker's done a lot of things that I've I've liked, but then there's a couple of things that I think he needs to to sort of get his head around and, and work on a little bit. And this is one of them. And yeah, you're right. Gray was injured for quite a large chunk of last season. Missed missed a big you know, group of games in the 21s where it would have done him good for her some like development and some, some game time in that, which is why I was a little bit surprised that he, he got so many games this season so far, but here we are. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Anyway, yeah, I'll I'll move on to some some more positive stuff now, which is uh, the sort of good performances that, that Leeds had. Who impressed you for Leeds, would you say, Martin? I think it, it's definitely some of them is one who was very good when he came on. He was just making the right choices more often than not, which was something which I think in maybe the past few games he has struggled a little bit with and he was trying to run by too, too many men and carry on to it a little bit longer. But I think in this game he was doing really good in making the right choice when he needs to shift the ball on and get into good areas, following on from that and trying to make one-two movements. And he had some very good shots as well two very good shots which were saved well by their goalkeeper which especially the second one that he had was very good and the keeper just got just managed to get one hand to it but there was some real, real power behind him he really caught the ball well and I think he was definitely a big threat for us in this game and he de- definitely should have would have deserved a goal I feel and besides him um, I would say that Strauch was also very good as I mentioned earlier that both Strauch and Roden were good at defending the box but I do think Phil Strout was particularly dominant. There's a few times where he just was taking the ball off off, off the opposition and it just made it look so easy. It was like he was playing against on the 21s at times because he was just taking the ball so easily. And I do just love a, a confident, dominant Strout. It's great to see. I completely agree. And um, Strout and Roden, before the red card, were, were pretty imperious, to be honest, weren't they? But I did want to talk about some of them a little bit because I thought he had one of his best games in the lead shirt really without actually getting a, a goal or assist to, to sort of cap it off but he was particularly a, a good threat that was linking up with a lot of our forwards and even though I felt like the cohesion between attackers wasn't quite clicking there I, I felt like he was he was pretty good would you concur with that Hosty is there anyone else you wanted to give a bit of a nod to yeah absolutely concur with uh, Somerville I think he probably did he win like the win three yellow cards kind of for Hull just from his ball retention and getting in front of the player around about halfway in, they just had to pull him back. Um, I, I think I, I'm in awe of his ball control personally. Um, but otherwise, Ampadu just again kept things ticking, just as he has done all season. Um, 
they, it was really interesting how Hull were trying to stop him getting the ball and stop us going through Ampadu. So they kind of put their two front men in front of Ampadu and wouldn't let Melier get pass it to him. And so thought that's why we saw at times like Melier was about five yards away from the two strikers. And then, you know, he was waiting for one of them to commit to maybe try and play it to Ampadu, but um, ended up having to go to Rodon or Strauch. And yeah, I think that even though they did that, he still was like breaking up play and playing some really good passes into the final third. And just to follow up with that, like who do we think struggled the most? We've already talked a bit about Gray, especially his, his in-possession stuff, but were there any areas of the pitch that you were were pretty disappointed with, Hosty? Um, I think we're, we're kind of, it's come, we're come, we'll come on to it now anyway. Um, Ailing struggled again defensively, I felt, um, against uh, Philogene, is it? Um he he kind of had his number quite early on and that's why it was good when James and Gray started to help out and Rodon didn't have to sweep up. And then uh yeah, Shackleton. Shackleton had a had a poor game from what we've seen. And I think this is due to a player not playing in his position. And when a player doesn't play in their position and they play well, it's kind of like a seven out of ten and you're up you're like, okay, yeah, they're solid. And if they play in the position that they're meant to be at and they play well, they're like a 9 out of 10. And if they don't play well in that position that they're usually good at, they're just a 6 or 7. But if you don't play well in a position that you're not used to, that's where you get to like these really poor performances. Like So a poor performance in a position that you're not used to is going to be really poor, whereas a good one's going to be solid. And I think that's just what we saw this time around. You know, we've had three, three or four good performances from him at left-back, and then we've had a poor performance, and because it's a poor performance in a position that he's not accustomed to throughout his career. Um, it's kind of like an obvious one to say, oh, he's had a bad game. Um, uh, that's all I, I figured that was, really. I don't know if, Martin, if you've got anything different. Yeah, what about you, Martin? Uh, the fullback pairing, were you, were you happy with it or did you see some issues again like, like Hosty's just alluded to? Because Shackleton has played well, like Hosty mentioned, against the likes of Sheffield Wednesday, but... But were you happy with him here or was, was he a bit of an issue for you? I do think he was an issue. I don't think you can get around it. Um, he's normally very secure on the ball. That's one thing which I've always liked about Shackleton. But there were quite a lot of loose passes from him in this game. Um, just balls which were just quite not right into the right area or weren't hit with enough, enough impetus. And that was really, that was the best part of his game normally. So for, for that part of his game to be bad, Shows. I'm not sure if potentially he's still carrying some some kind of knock. I know in the previous press conference, Fark has mentioned that he did have an injury. So I don't know if he has still got some kind of knock and that's affecting him. But it could just be that he just had a bad game. Um, he's, he's done well in, in all the other games he's played so far this season, I think. So I think it's just he had a bad game and just, and just move on from it. Hope he does better next time. Yeah, there, were, and then, there were some really bad clearances with his left yeah. foot, which is, again, that positional thing, right? That's how I see it anyway. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, th- I think not, normally it's okay for, for this left-back to be right-footed because the play inverted qu- quite heavily. So it does open up different passing angles which they can use with the right foot. So normally it's, it's okay, but even the, his passes with his right foot weren't always hitting the target. And that's something which we usually expect from him is that he's very secure and usually finds the right person at the right time. But this time it just wasn't there. And also on the other side, ailing, I think... As bad as some moments were out of possession, I think he was probably just as bad in possession, um, which is, I don't like saying it, I love the guy, but he made the wrong option a lot of times. There's that one particular moment where he just bursts into the box with his players in, into the centre where he could have passed and he just blazes it over the bar 
and it's like, what, what are you doing, mate? Just, just pass it. <laughs> I know you've scored a few good goals for us, but it's, we need a goal now, so just put it into the middle of some people who are playing with a bit, little bit more confidence. That might help. Uh, another thing on that whole passage of play, before it goes out to um, Ailing, when it comes to Perot from Rodon, the actual pass that should be on is uh, to Somerville, out on the left, but Perron, we don't have that profile of play, and we discussed this um, previously regarding, um, I think it were actually us three, on just are we missing a player from when the transfer window closed, and like that pass, if he has seen, like Pablo Hernandez, to go back to it, he would know that he's there, he would have scanned and seen that Somerville was in that option and would have been able to turn and make that pass. But instead, Perot kind of turns straight away to get himself facing forward and then make the choice. Whereas what we what we want is what you want is a player to be able to make that choice with the back to play and know what's happening before they make that turn. Um, and I think that's actually where then the move even fell down. Yes, there were those options, but the box was crowded. If I was to defend Alien for it, I still think it was the wrong option to shoot. But because um, I think as well, if you shoot Dirt Sky from there, <laughs> you've got to, you've got to get it to hit a body at least. Yeah, I, I totally agree with everything you both said about the fullbacks, and I know we didn't come on for very long, but I was I was happy with Byram already straight away. He looked a little bit more assured as soon as he entered the pitch, and we talked about him on the the last podcast and um, talked about his impact and and that sort of snappy passing and that that quick looking cut play that he was doing, and that's something that I was really disappointed about with Shackleton, um, who's just sort of dwelled on the ball quite a lot, or would, would delay a pass, and like Martin said, was was quite sloppy and like. They weren't hit with enough sort of packed with enough like venom and impetus on them um, when they needed to be. So that that was pretty frustrating for me. W- was there anyone else either of you wanted to discuss that that had a bit of a difficult game or that you wanted to see a bit more from? I don't think so. I think um, most of the players did reasonably well. I thought Nonto was doing well before he came off injured, and I think largely Perot was qu- quite good. He was picking. He was coming deep quite often to help out, and that's what what I like about him. He, he quite often comes really deep and helps out when we're in an early build-up, and that's a very good thing for the attacking midfielders to do, right? And I know there's been this debate whether he's an attacking midfielder or, or a second striker, whatever it is, but I do th- think that he, he did quite well at moments like that. So that's one thing I, do, I did, did like from him. And also, I felt Ruter, I know we've already mentioned players who have done good, but I think in this particular game, he was very physical, and that's one part of his game which I've been wanting to improve, and he did very good in this game. Quite a few times where he was battling well against centre-backs and managed to turn it into something. I think there was one shot towards the... Uh, maybe not long before Roden was sent off, or maybe just after Roden was sent off, maybe, where he, just, he battled quite well and dragged the ball into the box and then had a shot, but he just, just went wide. And yeah, I thought, I thought those are the sort of things which I've liked from... Rousseau is trying to develop that centre-forward play where he is being more physical with the defenders who are on him and that's a very good thing that he's developing those little bits. He had moments where the, he did make some poor touches but I do think that overall his centre-forward play is improving a lot. Um, sorry to deviate slightly from the running order here but it was just on the subject of substitutions and I just wondered what you both felt about um, Pirot being substituted and Ruter staying on the pitch and, and whether that was the right decision from Farker because it got quite a bit of criticism I saw on, online on Twitter at the time of doing it so Hosty did you think that he made the right decision in doing so and, and if so why? Uh, yeah just because um, I think it was the right decision because Ruter is the player in our out of those two as a pairing if we're saying that they were like 4-4-2 um, and it, especially if you're playing 4-4-1 which is obviously the shape that we moved into um, 
he's the player that's going to try and stretch the back line a bit more than what Perot was doing. If Perot's coming deep, then that's just going to congest us. Um, yeah, Perot's the one that's battling, as Martin just said, you know, he was battling with the defenders. So if you're firing the ball up from like Melier started to do once the sending off went and we were trying to get the ball to stick, I think Rutez the better player for it to stick. Even though last night there was the odd touch where it kind of was very heavy from him. Um, I think he's the one, the, the striker of the two that has that stretch in the play in attack if we need to. And he's got that bit more pace if we do hit a counter-attack as well. I, I think that's mainly like the main reasons I, I completely echo what you say. And I think that a lot of the criticism was because Perot essentially is the better finisher of the two. So if a chance was going to come our way, there weren't going to be many of them and he's probably more likely to take it. But the way I personally saw that and I think that the way Farker saw it is that Rutez is a better player in transition. And so if there was going to be a moment, it's probably going to come from that. Um, and also his hold-up plays better. So I, I think he did make the right choice. Do, do you agree, Martin? Or, or would you have kept Perot on the pitch in some way? No, I think you already know my answer to this. You know, my my boy is Rutez. Um, but but, but uh, specifically about this game, yes, Rutez was a better one to keep on because it, it was going to come in transition if we was going to get any chances after this ending off and Rutter is the better transitional player and Perot is um, the one who you, you want with the transitional player so it's a, it's, a, it's a funny one but I do think that Rutter was the best one to keep on and I think he did show that in a few moments and he held onto the ball well he managed to bring other players into it at times and yeah I can't say much more than that really he is my boy that was a, another disappointing draw um, in the end. More drop points. Not that it matters too much at this stage of the season when you're sort of trying to to build a team and a unit that's kind of playing a bit more cohesively. And maybe there are other teams in the in the division, like we're seeing Ipswich, they're absolutely flying, and Preston are absolutely flying, who haven't maybe had as many changes this summer and we've kind of got a bit more to, to contend with in, in terms of gelling the squad. Um, that's the way I see it personally, but it is four draws now this season already in seven games and... That is something that, that a lot of fans probably are going to get frustrated by. But at the same time, it was a third clean sheet in a row. So it was a bit of a mixed bag in the end, especially when we had 10 men. But what were you most pleased with about the performance in, in the end then, Martin? I think it was just that we managed to get it over the line and not lose. I know we did let out what a very big chance and it was them who didn't... It was them who stopped them from winning more than us, to be honest. But I just did, did think that we did dig in quite well towards the end. And... That was pleasing, and it was just that that one, one chance which they had, which was massive. And I think we did defend well. Other than that, and we, and we made the right choice by going more direct instead of trying to um, go play more patient at that point. Because sometimes you can stick to the plan too much and play patient. But we tried to get it in transition, tried to get Somerville running with the ball quickly, and he did, did very well at that as well. So I do think that was the main thing that we didn't lose, <laughs> even though we probably just should have could have won if we would have put away one of the chances earlier but I think that was as much on their, on their goalkeeper as it was on our, our attackers What about you Hosty what were you most pleased about in the end Yeah just that we didn't lose after going down to 10 um, and the, like mine was saying we made the right choice in I think that that was good to see yeah okay the subs maybe I didn't agree with or I felt there should have been different subs or one more sub um, but I think tactically it was the right move um, to Stop pressing as hard, go a bit more direct. Um, but I agree as well with Martin that you know it, it was their keeper, and I think what that big chance of Ruter is. Um, I think Ruter's just waiting for the keeper to make a choice, and the keeper never makes the choice, and that 
means that he has to try and take the shot um, and also makes a good save. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I'm not worried at the moment. I know there's a few people that are worried, obviously, with four draws in seven games. Um, and, you know, we're on course for 63 points, but you, you're not. <laughs> if, if we carry on winning two, drawing four, losing one for the next seven running total games, then that's going to be some weird season. So it, that's just not going to happen. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I've actually got one more curveball to throw at you both. Um, first time this has happened on this podcast in a while, but there's actually some breaking news that's come out whilst we're recording, which is that Phil Hay has said that Stuart Dallas has returned to training with the full lead squad today. Um, apparently, he's still a number of weeks away from being in contention to play, but it's the first time in 18 months that he's actually been back in full training. I just wondered what your thoughts were on that and whether you actually think he could make an impact this season. And if so, I don't know where you would, would want to see him play, Martin, but where would you say? Well, I'm not sure. That's caught me by surprise. As that. I wasn't expecting to see him back in training until much later in the season. Um, but that is good news. Obviously, still a while away. And... So it's never bad to have another option, especially in the fullback areas, which have been a bit up and down for different players, been in different positions, and not not in the natural position on all this. I know Sue Dallas doesn't really have a natural position, <laughs> um, but as long as he's not playing in midfield, I'm happy. So no to midfield. What about you, Hosty? Um, we finally got a left back. <laughs> uh, no, I, I I actually thought that he was already back and they were just keeping it on the down low was my opinion of it and I thought we were just going to get to the point where one press conference down the line in a month or two we were just going to get a yeah and uh, Dallas is available <laughs> everyone was just going to be like what's going on um, so yeah it'll be interesting to see what sort of player he comes back as because he's, he's 100% not going to be the 90 minute give you everything that you can uh, he'll give us everything that he can but I don't think he'll get 90 minutes out of him these days because um, I think that that's uh, the the injury that he got is just so difficult to come back from as a normal human. Um, never mind as having to be a footballer. I think. Yeah, I to- totally agree with both of you. Um, I think he's. I think he has been training in some capacity for a while, but I remember not that long ago we saw pictures of his leg and and how weak it looked. Like it was like chalk and cheese between both his legs in terms of like the size difference and the muscle mass difference. So maybe that's what's now caught up and maybe he looks like he can can compete a little bit but I I do agree I don't think he's going to make too much of an impact because in your 30s getting that injury and then coming back I just don't I don't see a world where he's able to to play at the same level and he definitely won't be playing 90 minutes probably at all this season but but maybe towards the end he might um but anyway with that um that is the end of the uh the whole review so I hope you all enjoyed but as he hasn't been on this pod, Jacob would be really annoyed if we didn't say we hadn't heard from Tom Alderson in a while, which is true. And Tom Alderson would also be annoyed if I didn't plug the Patreon, so I'm going to do so. Um, over the last few weeks, we've put out some bonus podcasts on our Patreon. For those who don't know, Patreon is a platform where people can pay money to support creators that they enjoy and receive bonus content in return. Uh, we put out Patreon-only podcasts and analysis articles, and our patrons also get all our podcasts for like ad free plus early access to our preview pods right now you can listen to our recent state of the squad pod where some of the guys went over including myself went over leads squad position by position assessing some of the strengths and weaknesses and we also got our brand new under 21s pod that came out earlier this week with dan and martin was on that one as well do you want to talk about that a tiny bit martin 
Yeah, this was more Dan's baby than mine. He's done quite quite a bit of work on it. Um, but we, we basically just talked about the on um, the 21s league formats and all the rest of it's going on because there's been quite a lot of changes in the way the under-21s operate, especially for Category 1 academies. It's quite mental, actually. It's, it's worth listening to just for that part of it, but we also do talk about some of the players in the team and some players who we think that we should watch out for. And, yeah, so it's definitely worth listening, but it'll be getting even more detailed in the next few ones that we do because we struggle to find game time, to be honest, because not all of the under-21s games are on. LUTV, which is frustrating. <laughs> I thought it was going to be, but they weren't. So yeah, but, we'll, but as the season goes on, we'll have more footage to watch through and um, talk about more, yeah. Lovely stuff. Um, and if you want to access that content, you can sign up at patreon.com slash Patreon. I'll say that one more time, patreon.com slash Patreon. Um, anyway, so all that's left for me to say is say thank you to Martin. Thank you very much, Adam. And thank you to Tom. Ah, uh, bitte schön. <laughs> and thank you to all of you for listening. Uh, we'll see you for the next one with our game against Watford at Ellen Road, the next game. Uh, goodbye and have a great week, everyone. Guten Tag. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.